This morning, we have a special, special speaker, my beautiful wife. Oh, I forgot to bring that up. I was so excited to introduce her. I forgot to carry this as a 75-pound piece of metal. You make it look so easy, just like everything else in life. Jamie, we love you, girl. And doesn't she look pretty today? I dressed her. I said, are you wearing that today? And she's like, yeah. I was like, well, try something else. And so this is what we got. Looking good. Yeah. Oh, dear. I'm so thankful for my husband. You know, sometimes it's a great opportunity that I actually get the mic so I can explain all these stories he tells when I'm sitting over there and I can't weigh in. But you know what? This morning, the only thing I'm going to say about Joel is that this man, this, this pastor that's been called to this house is the exact same off the platform as he is on the platform. And I'm so thankful for that. He's a man of integrity, amazing husband and father. And so just want you guys to know that behind the scenes. He's actually really funny too at home. And all the stuff he says about me up here, I'm not sitting over there over mad. I'm actually giggling as well. Once in a while, my toes are kind of curling. Like, did he really just say that? <laughs> That's just once in a while. Anyways, encounter, a lifestyle of encounter. A couple years ago, I think it's two now, the Lord gave us this theme, if you will, and it was encounter. He said that we are to expect and we're to prepare our hearts and we're to create an environment for encounter with him. And then recently, this fall, he said, you know what? We're going to stay on encounter, but we're going to talk about it more from the perspective of a lifestyle of encounter, a lifestyle of encountering God. So we don't just go from conference to conference or worship service to worship service or prayer time to prayer time, that we're actually living a life where we're encountering him for the purpose of reconciliation, the purpose of us being reconciled to our father and to his ways and to be able to go out and reconcile the world to him. That's our job. If we're not encountering the Lord in our own personal life, it's very hard to go out into the world and say, want to serve this God I serve? They see you miserable. They see you grumpy. They don't want to serve that God. So we're encountering him. We're learning how to position our hearts for encounter. We're going to be staying on this all throughout the year. Whatever theme the Lord will have us speak on or preach on or do themes on, it will all be centered around encounter. So let's get started. Can we pray? Father God, we just dedicate this time to you, Lord. We know that your word goes out this morning and it doesn't return void. And so I just declare your word is going out. It's causing change in our hearts. We're ready to receive it now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. In order to encounter the Lord, Pastor Joel shared last week that the Lord has to have access to us and we've got to have access to him. So I want to take a look at this um, scripture, but before we do, who here has been to Hawaii? Oh, there's, actually, there's quite a few of us. That's funny. I guess living in the Arctic, we get away to hot climates when we can. Now, who here has been to Hawaii 11, 12, or 13 times? Okay, so just me. Oh, us. Oh, we can chat about Hawaii later. My father happened to work in Hawaii when I was younger, and so we went all the time because... um, That's where he worked. That's too bad. Yes. So for those of you who haven't gone to Hawaii, there might be this desire in your heart that you want to encounter Hawaii. You want to experience the essence of Hawaii. You want to smell the smells and see the sights and you just so badly in your heart want to go to Hawaii that you watch videos about Hawaii and you look at pictures about Hawaii and and you talk to people that have been to Hawaii But for some reason, you're just not encountering Hawaii. Why might that be? It might be that you didn't actually buy a plane ticket and go to Hawaii. And the funny thing is, as Christians, we do that a lot. I want to experience more of God in my life, but we're not actually lining up with the ways that God created for us to experience him. We're not actually lining up with the ways that he created us to encounter him. And it sounds silly. Yeah, I want to go to Hawaii, but I don't actually take the step to go. But we often do that in our lives. And so I want to talk a little bit today about lining up with his ways for the purpose of encountering him. So first of all, for encounter, I need access to God and he needs access to me. So let's take a look at Hebrews 10, uh, verse 19 to 23. And it says this. Therefore, believers, since you have confidence and full freedom 
to enter the holy place, the place where God dwells, by means of the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way which he initiated and opened for us through the veil, as in the holy of holies, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great and wonderful high priest who rules over the house of God, let us do what? Let us approach God with a true and sincere heart in unqualified assurance of faith. Another translation in verse 22 says, We can come close to God and we can approach him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing will keep us from a distance from him. Do you and I have full and free access to God? Absolutely. This scripture shows that. Do you and I always feel like we're experiencing or encountering everything that we see about God in the word? No. As born-again believers, we've got full access to him. We have the right to encounter him. But sometimes we read the word and we look and we're like, well, I'm not experiencing that in my life. I haven't, I haven't seen that aspect of peace operating or that aspect of abundance or provision operating. I haven't seen a marriage like that operating in my life. Well, we've got free access to God. What is the problem? Is the Bible not real? No, this word is true, but maybe what's happening in here isn't lining up. We could put it this way. We could say that we've got full access to encounter God, but we can only encounter him to the degree that this truth is operating in our hearts. Right? We can come here and we can sing about it. We can come here and we can hear just the world's best preaching. But if we don't go home and we don't work that word into our lives... We're not going to be encountering him in that way. So I really want to dig in this morning and just talk about how to work those ways into our life. Now, here's another another illustration. You could put it this way, that over here, now when Pastor Joel does his illustrations, I have to be careful I line up with what he does. The slave market's over here, right? Yeah, okay. So then this is like freedom, slave market. I really don't want to mess those things up. So I want to encounter God, but God is over here. This is him. This is his way of doing things. This is his way of approaching him. For example, you can't approach God through your good works. Your way, the way of approaching him is through Jesus. So over here is his ways of having relationship with one another. Over here is the ways of just doing life. Over here is walking by faith and the principle of sowing and reaping. And all of these ways are over here. And then you and I stand over here, or maybe not you and I, but other Christians maybe that we know, right? Not us. And we just so badly want to, we want to know God and we want, we want to experience all these things that we hear and that we read about, but yet his ways are where? They're over here. So what have I got to do? If I decide that I'm just going to live how I want, I want what I want, but I want what I have. I want what I want. I want God's ways but I don't want to change, then I'm not going to be encountering him. And whose fault is that? I say this in love. I say this through a pastoral heart, but whose fault is it? If I'm not encountering God, it's not his fault. And what happens if you live a lifestyle of not lining up with his ways, what I've noticed is that people eventually, they start to get mad at God. Right? And he's not withholding anything, and we'll see that today. So when we're talking about lining up with his ways, here's a couple of examples. And it says in Ephesians 4, verse 32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, and forgive each other, just as Christ forgave you. You know, we see these scriptures all the time, and then we go into our marriage, or we go into our relationship with our kids, or relationship at work, and we are not kind or compassionate. And we are holding grudges left, right, and center, and we're wondering why relationships in our life aren't working. We're wondering why our marriage just isn't working. What is going on here? It's because God has designed these ways and we haven't been lining up with them. When life's not working, it usually means that we're not doing something in here. It means maybe that one of God's ways is being violated. So I think it's important. Let's go back to the beginning today. Let's see the way that God created us to operate and life to be designed. Let's see what happened at the fall, and let's see how Jesus purchased that back. Can we do that this morning? Well, if we're going to go back to the very beginning, we're going to go back to Genesis 1, verse... Yeah, I thought everyone in here would have known that. The very beginning is Genesis 1, verse 1. So... It says, in the beginning, God, 
And you know, we could literally just stop there. It answers so many of life's questions. I don't know if, if you guys were all at our night with Tony Cook the other night. He's a wonderful Bible teacher, scholar, just, just full of the love of God. And he answered some tough questions that have been brought up in the day we live in. And I took away from that night just thinking how simple God has designed life if you just believe the word. The word will answer every question. And you know, I used to wonder before I had kids, does it really address everything you need to know about parenting? It does. Because he's the best heavenly father we could have if we just look at how he does it and then we live that out. It answers everything. So in the beginning, God prepared and formed and fashioned and created the heavens and the earth. Think of creation as more than just the animals and the ocean and the beautiful mountains. Think about in creation, God created or designed how he wants life to work. He created and designed how he wants people to operate in his kingdom. He designed all of the principles and he designed all of the structure. He designed our identity. Everything was created by him. And you know what, if we, that's kind of the answer to a lot of our problems, right? If we just go back to, okay, in the beginning, God. Oh, right, yeah, I'm not God. Oh, in the beginning, God created me. It's going to solve a whole lot of problems. Let's take a look a little bit deeper into Genesis. Genesis, we're going to look at chapter 2. We're going to look at chapter 3. And I don't want this to be tedious, but I am going to go line by line because I want us to see how wonderful God's design was. Because that is what Jesus purchased back for us. Starting in Genesis 2 verse 7, it says, Then the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath or the spirit of life, and man became a living being. God gave us breath. We did not create ourselves. If we can constantly come back to that, and when I say God is your source, I'm not just meaning money. I'm meaning God is our source for everything. You need wisdom, we go to him. He's the creator and we are just the creation. We were made to be dependent. Verse 8, it says, And the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, or delight, and there he put the man whom he had formed or framed. God was the provider, right? God put them in the garden. He was the provider. He provided security. He provided purpose. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight or to be desired, good for food. The tree of life also in the center of the garden. And the tree of the knowledge of the difference between good and evil, blessing and calamity. And the Lord God took the man and he put the man in the garden of Eden to tend and to guard and to keep it. He placed us in the center of his will. God's design isn't for you and I to create our own, his will, to say, God, this is your will for my life, now bless it. Our, the way he designed it is God has a plan. God has a purpose. And we're to go to him to find, okay, what's your plan and purpose? Okay, well, I'm going to get right smack dab in the center of your will. He made them a garden. He provided for them. He gave them a job. Hello, get a job. I don't know who that was for, but it's honestly, just go back to the beginning. It answers everything. He gave him a job. He gave him a role. He gave him some meaningful work. When you are doing life God's way, he is not going to give you a calling that you hate. I'm telling you, you can be fulfilled in life if you follow his plan for your life. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You're free to eat of every tree in the garden. We know this. We know what's coming. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and blessing and calamity, don't eat from. You shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. God designed parameters not to withhold from them, but so that they could enjoy life. God gives us parameters. He says, Don't go outside of these. See, sex, sex is good. There's a lot of people looking at me like, did you just say that? Yes, he designed it. Sex is good. No more comments from over there. But when it's taken outside of the parameters that was put in, oh man, it can get dangerous. 
He didn't make those parameters to withhold something from us. He made these parameters. He told the man, you guys can eat from everything. You can go everywhere. Don't eat from this. Why? Because it's not good. It's not good for you to know the difference between good and evil. Here's a quote about that. It says, we were to live life, but live life in submission to God, or we would not have God life at all. Life and submission to God were to be one and the same. Now, verse 18, it says, now the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper, a helper. We're supposed to be a team. We're supposed to be together, suitable, adapted, complementary for him. Oh, is that, if, is that not the design for marriage right there? Intimacy, complementing each other, helping one another. God provided for their uh, need for companionship. God set up these roles. When we go back to, well, what is marriage? Just go back to what the Bible says right here. So God was in charge of the big picture, right? Man and, and, and woman, they didn't decide to be placed in the garden. God did. They didn't even decide to be created. God made them. And so it's the same for me and you. We may not choose our calling, but when we line up with him, we will be fulfilled. Three of the biggest takeaways that I got from, from reading this portion of, again, we're looking at how God designed ways and what's going to happen here at the fall. Number one is that we were made to be in relationship or connection with him. Number two is that he was the source of all things, and Adam and Eve, they were just the co-laborers, right? God said, you do this and you do this, and they were empowered to do it. And then lastly, they knew their true identity. They didn't feel any shame. We're going to see what happens here in the fall in a moment. In the fall, not only did human beings lose access to God, but we also lost ourselves We lost each other, and we lost access to how life was designed to be. All of that wonderful stuff we just read about, like, who wouldn't want to be in that scenario where, you know, your creator makes you and he places you in here and he provides everything you need and you're just full of fulfillment and, oh, my, I'm walking with my creator. Like, that's encounter right there. But in the fall, we lost it. We overturned God's design. And I know if you grew up in the church, you probably spent a lot of time being mad at Adam and Eve. You would have done it too. Like, we think we're so wonderful and perfect and holy and like, can't believe they did that. Yeah, it could have been you or me. Let's take a look at Genesis 3. This is so sad. I'm like, Genesis 2. I was saying to Joel last night, I'm like, Genesis 2, you're just like, yes, this is beautiful. I love how God created his ways. And it's only one chapter later. Here we are. Beginning of the fall. Verse 1 says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Did God really say that you need to bring your tithes or your first fruits to him? Did God really say that you're a boy or a girl? Did God really say that you need to forgive when you've been hurt? Did God really say, question God's design right there, right out of the gate. And what is one of the biggest issues we're dealing with in in this era? Everyone's questioning God's design for life. Verse 2, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden we're not allowed to eat. God says, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. First of all, she twisted it right there. He didn't say you can't touch it. He said, don't eat it. She twisted God's word and design. She even added to God's design. How much do we see that now? People who say, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. But Jesus didn't actually mean this in his teaching. Verse 4, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. I'm so mad at him. (laughs) I'm so mad at that stupid devil and his lies. Look at him. Such a blatant liar. Like, how dare he? God just said, don't eat of it. You'll surely die. You won't die, he said to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. He outrightly challenged God's design. He outrightly twisted it, and he tempted them. You can be your own God. You and I, we live in North America, and maybe that thought has never even crossed your mind, but we often live in a way that we think we are our own God. 
We are our own provider. We've just got to work harder, try harder. Even in our Christianity, we just got to work for the Lord. We just got to try harder to be a nice person. I just got to try to be a better wife. Oh, I've yelled at my kids again. I got to try to be a better mom. No, you can't be your own God. We saw already in the chapter before how God designed it. We're dependent on him. Verse 6, unfortunately, the woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took the fruit and ate it, gave some to her husband who was with her. He ate it too. They took the lie as truth over God's word. That's how it happens, people. He comes in. You may know this word, this precious word, but he comes in with a lie and you've got a decision to make. You and I, we can either decide to entertain that lie. I can entertain the lie that I am not good enough, that I'm constantly not measuring up. Or I can throw that lie out and say, I don't believe that. That is a lie. I believe this. Unfortunately, that is not what Eve did. (laughs) At that moment, Their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt, oh, this word, shame. What is half of the Christian world dealing with right now? We're all dealing with shame. The enemy has been doing this tactic since the beginning. We felt shame. They felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. They lost their innocence. Shame and guilt came for the first time, and we were never meant to experience it. They tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. How often Pastor Joel used that example, and it's funny every time, but in reality, it's not. (laughs) They tried to provide and cover for their own sins, fix their own mess. Again, they reversed the role where we try and become our own God. So we mess up. Oh, shoot, I messed up. I messed up. I got to pay for it. I got to pay for it. Okay, I'm going to go to church today. Okay, I'm going to give my tithes. Okay, I'm going to worship. Okay, did I do enough good to pay for my sin? Oh, man. Then here comes our good father. Man, the father that wants you to encounter him in every area of your life. It says, when the cool evening breeze was blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden The original design would be right now that they would run to him, right? They were made to be in connection with him. Instead, they hid from the Lord God. They ran from their good father. Then the Lord called to them, where are you? They hid from him. Broken relationship, broken intimacy. He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. That fear had entered their heart. To be afraid of their creator? In chapter 2, did we see anywhere where God was scary and anywhere where Adam and Eve were afraid of him? No, because that wasn't the original design. So in your Christian walk right now, if there are areas where you're afraid of God, you're afraid of his reaction to you, you're afraid that he might be disappointed in you, can I tell you right now that is a bold-faced lie? There is nothing in him that can be disappointed in you. You know, often we, we can accept Jesus loves me, but he, maybe he doesn't really like me. He just has to tolerate me. And that is not the truth at all. Who told you? Here's the Lord's reply to that, to them hiding because they're in fear. Who told you you're naked? The Lord God said. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? You know what I love about God? He already knows, but he always asks, asks us. He always involves us. He's so kind. Like... <laughs> We're dumb without him. <laughs> they, they stopped experiencing their true identity. Here's a, a quote. Again, this quote is from Townsend and Cloud in one of my absolute favorite books on, on growing in your walk with God. It's called How People Grow. And it says, in trying to become God, they lost themselves. If that's not a description for the fall right there. The man replied, it was the woman you gave me. <laughs> it was the woman's fault. The Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she said. That's why I ate it. Right away, we shift into blame shifting. We shift into, uh, uh, it was her. It was her fault. How many times do we do that? Result of the fall. Depended on themselves. Tried to provide for their own sins. Completely twisted relationship with God. Hiding from him. Feeling like God is mad at them. Did you know, Adam and Eve, the way it was created, they never felt like God was mad at them. That's what we're going to see has been purchased back 
for us. Let's take a look now. Whenever you read about the fall and you get a little sad, I'm always like, okay, but Jesus, but Jesus, isn't that so good? It really doesn't matter even where your life is right now because Jesus Let's take a look at how do we get back to that original design because we want to encounter him, right? I I do. Like, I am assuming a lot of you want to encounter God even if you don't even know why you're here this morning. Maybe someone just said, do you want to come to church? I know that there's something in you that wants to encounter him. So going back to the original design, we know that in Jesus, God was reconciling the world back to him right? He was purchasing us back. But not only that, not only was he reconciling us back to himself, he was reconciling us back to who we were created or who we were meant to be. And he was reconciling us back to his ways, to the way of relating to him, to the way of relating to each other and to the the way of relating to those around us. If you look at Colossians 1 verse 13 and 14, that's what it tells us, that we were that he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, from that slave market over there. He has rescued us from the results of the fall. He's rescued you and I from having to provide for ourselves and pay for our own sins and figure this life out. He's rescued us from that. And what has he done? Not only did he do that, but he transferred us over here into the kingdom of his dear son, back into the way it was designed. He purchased us our freedom, and forgave our sins. Wow. When we were stuck in this slave market or when we were over here not going God's ways, before you and I were a born-again Christian, we couldn't get out, right? We could not get out and just say one day, like, oh, man, this is not working. I think I'm going to try something different. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go God's way. Like, we could not get in. We were slaves. We were in bondage. And so Jesus... He purchased us out of there. So here you and I are and we're free, but we don't know how to operate yet. So like Pastor Joel did for for weeks, he gave us this analogy. Now we can't not see this going back into the slave market because that's just how we think. We've been purchased out of that, and now we want to choose God's ways of doing things, right? We want to choose God's ways and encounter him. But there's only one way to do that, right? And that, that's to change our mindset or change our thinking so that we can change our choices, so that we can change our lifestyle and develop a lifestyle of encountering him. I know that's what you want because you're here this morning. We were legally bought back. We were legally redeemed. We don't have to let the fall reign in our lives anymore. We don't have to let the results of the fall reign in our emotions or our mindsets or our relationships. Man, this is not, I don't really want to get into marriage much at all right now. Side note, we are going to be having a marriage and family conference this week with our dear pastor friends, or sorry, this, this year, and it's going to be good. But one thing I've noticed is how much the enemy has twisted marriage and the relationship between husband and wife and one dominates the other and you're trying to control and you're jockeying for position and you didn't do this and that is not at all how we were made to operate and we don't have to stay there. We've been redeemed back from that. So if you literally just came out of the slave market in terms of, I don't I've been living like that in my marriage. And what is a Christian marriage? What are God's design for marriage? Start now. You don't, it does not matter if you have been operating in the results of the fall for 20 years of your Christian life. It does not matter if you've been trying to purchase your own freedom, if you've been trying to pay for your own sins, if you've been trying to relate through God through serving him. I'll just serve more, I'll serve more, or I'll serve more. It does not matter. Right now, you can decide Jesus bought me out of that. No more. Right now you can decide I am not going to go back into that which I have been freed from. Why would we choose that? Maybe because it's comfortable. Maybe because we don't know how to do the other thing. It does not matter the cost, how much time or effort it's going to take you to get yourself into this word. Jesus paid too high of a price for you and I to live in those results of the fall. Don't give the enemy an inch. And we said he is a stupid liar. 
don't line up with his ways. What I really want to get across here is that Jesus not only returned us back to the Father, but really to our rightful identity and the original design for life and access into everything we need for a beautiful, meaningful relationship with God. I don't know about you, but I've met lots of Christians who are not enjoying their relationship with God, right? Who are frustrated in your relationship with God. A lot of times frustration comes because you've got an expectation of God. Like, God, why is this not happening? Why are you not doing this in my life? And he's over here, right? But, but everything that I have for you is over here. The blessing is just flowing over here. God's goodness and freedom is just flowing over there. And we're over here. So that's where frustration sets in. I believe he has set us free from that. What Adam did in that garden that got us into those results in the fall, Jesus undid on the cross. Let us live like it. So what, what I like to call this for my own self is you may know what redemption purchased for you. You may know that you're out of the slave market, but you're not yet living like it. What I like to call it for me is applying redemption to my life or applying what Jesus purchased for my life. And you know what? We are always a work in progress. Constantly. There might be a season of your life where God is, is dealing with you on healing where you've dealt with a certain issue in your body or in your soul for so long, and he's saying, now is the time we're dealing with this. Or maybe there's a season of your life where he's dealing with relationships. There's been broken relationships, and he's having you learn more about godly relationships. We're not going to be learning everything all at one time. But let's apply what redemption purchased for it. Let's actually apply it to our life. So when we look at what redemption purchased for us, it... It brought us back to God as the source, right? We were made or we were meant to be dependent. In order to make life work, and I don't know about you, I, I like when things work. I want my life to be working. In order to make life work, we're going to have to come back to the one who makes life work, right? We're going to have to come back to the source. And again, think more than finances. We've used God as source a lot about finances. Expand your mindset on that. He is the source of your calling, he is the source of everything that you're supposed to do. He is the source of your companionship. You're believing for a spouse? Go to him. He is the source. You guys, a lot of you know our story of just feeling so called to be a mom and a dad, but those babies were not coming. Can I tell you that that was one of the, the most impacting seasons of encountering God in my life? Do you know why? Because I literally could not get pregnant without him. And I had to go to him and say, God, help show me your ways. Show me your ways. Show me your ways. Wow. Lining up with him made God life work. You know, we talk about Matthew 6, 33. Let's take a look at it now. This is actually doing Matthew 6, 33, going back to God as source. It says, but first and, and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness his way of doing things and his way of being right, the attitude and character of God. And then all of these things will be given to you also. So that's how we apply redemption to our life. We come back to God. You're the source. So when we say seek God first, we don't just mean seek him first in the morning and then go your own way, right? It's seek him first. How do you want this to play out, God? There's a relationship in my life that is not working right now how do you I look to you first how show me your ways for this to operate you know Jesus being Lord not us is how life works um, I think we as Christians need to really get that James 4 7 tells us so submit to the authority of God resist the devil stand firm against him and he will flee from you I think there's Christians that really really focus in on the resist the devil part really focused in on, I'm going to tell the devil what's what. And in all your telling the devil what's what, you forgot the first step. First step is submit yourself to God. When you are working through an issue in your life, instead of, okay, okay, what's, what's the next thing? Okay, okay, even if it's Christian things you're thinking of. Okay, I need a Bible verse on peace. Okay, I need a Bible verse now on healing. Okay, I need a Bible verse on, just stop. Lord, I submit myself to you. What do you want? 
often he will direct you to the right scripture. Isn't that handy? Because we're speaking this scripture and we're speaking that scripture. And he's like, hold on, hold on. I love the story of a friend of ours who was believing for healing for quite a long time. And when she finally submitted it to the Lord, he was like, quit sugar and go to bed early. It, it took care of everything. So submitting to God, not being the Lord of our own life. Galatians 2.20 says that, that our old self has been crucified with Christ. And so it's no longer I. It's no longer Jamie who is the leader of my life. Instead, it's him. And I know so many of you in here desire for people to encounter God through you. Let this be a scripture that will help you. It's no longer I who live, but, but him who lives through me. You are developing in a lifestyle of encounter so that your children can learn to encounter him. So that those that you come in contact with at the grocery store can learn to encounter him. As, as um, my lovely husband always says, the world doesn't need more Joel, even though I think they do. I, I really like Joel. <laughs> the, I'll use me, honey. The world doesn't need more Jamie. The world needs more of Jesus working through me, though. Because he works through all of us differently. You know, coming um, to preach this morning, I have not um, preached from this platform for a while. I've, my, God's had me going a different direction with what, our filming ministry and our homeschooling. So I said to Joel, I'm like, oh, man, I'm not you, though. And he said, yeah, that's good. People need Jesus through you. You know, what we do here on a Sunday is really like a locker room. It's really just coming in and and we're hearing what has the Lord said to this house. Okay, now go out through the week and do that, right? He doesn't need Jesus only through people on the platform ministry. He needs Jesus through us all week as we go out. So we've come back to God as the source. He's the Lord. We're coming back to God as our original or we're coming back to our original identity this is the part that is so close to my heart come back to who we were actually made to be Colossians 1 verse 20 it says and by the blood of his cross everything in heaven on earth is brought back to himself back to its original intent and restored to innocence again isn't that beautiful Adam and Eve didn't live with any amount of sin consciousness. You know what that is? Where you're just constantly aware of how you fell short. That can't be fun, trying to relate to God and being constantly feeling like, well, the word says I've got free access to him. I can come before the throne of grace anytime I want, but yet we don't because we feel like we're not good enough. That's not fun. It would not be fun to live in a marriage like that. And I got to tell you, it is not fun to be in a relationship with God like that. I've had seasons in my life of insecurity where it kept me so bound that approaching God, I just felt like I'm just, I'm nothing. I'm just, I can't. When I saw in the word how, how free I truly am, I stepped out of that. But you know what? The original intent is, is that I wouldn't even have to experience that, that I wouldn't have to sit there and dwell on sin consciousness. I was, I'm restored back to innocence again, where it's just me and my good father, and I've got free and full access to him. Here's another thing about our identity. We were never meant to live under the weight of shame, guilt, condemnation. That can kill you. We were never meant to carry it. We can't bear it because we are not God. We were not made. We are, you're his precious child. You're his little child. You're not meant to, to bear that. You know, when you, you're a parent and there's lots of stuff going on in, in the world all the time, we don't sit our kids down and, and tell them all about it because they're not old enough to carry that yet. Well, you and I were actually never made to carry shame. We were never made or created to feel condemnation. In Romans 8 verse 1, it tells us, Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior. So you can ask yourself, is Jesus my Lord and Savior? If he's not, you can make him your Lord and Savior today. If he's your Lord and Savior, here you are. You've been out of that 
slave market. He's purchased you out. Right here is where you stand before him. There's no condemnation here. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what do you do if you're feeling condemnation? If you are just racked with guilt and shame and constantly, it doesn't matter what you do. You walk outside here and, um, you know, someone bothers you on the way home. You guys want to hear a funny, um, a funny secret? Julian Price is next to perfect, but this man gets mad at bad drivers. So what happens if Julian walks out the doors today and gets mad on the way home and starts feeling that condemnation? I'm a pastor and I have road rage. Well, Julian, let let me tell you what you could do. That condemnation will try and come. I mean, that's just a funny little one, road rage. But man, sometimes we have made mistakes. Sometimes we have stepped completely out of God's design. We basically violated God's design and said, I'm going to go my own way. And then we experience that guilt or that shame for it. When you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. So if that condemnation is trying to come, it's trying to chirp in your ear, you have got to tell it no. In this place, no. In you yourself, over here, slave market, full of condemnation. You've been bought out of that. You're over here, and there is none. It will try and come. So if you are constantly feeling condemned, yeah, the enemy has got your number. He's like, oh, yeah, I threw condemnation and shame on them. And, you know, we learned from Genesis, when we feel shame, what do we do? We hide. We cover ourselves. We try and pay for our own sins. You pull away from your spouse. You pull away from relationships. You pull away from your heavenly father, the savior who has already paid for that sin, right? So when you're over here in Christ Jesus and it says there's no condemnation, you've got to get very aggressive with the devil and tell him no, 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 no. And if it keeps coming, no. Having done all to stand, stand right don't don't give up until you you experience that freedom because it will come there is no condemnation in in the life that god has designed for us in the ways he's designed for us there's no condemnation in your original identity and that's what jesus has bought back for you so right now whoever you are doesn't matter what you've done you are free in him and you stand before him just as if you've never sinned And this is just a side note. I felt like leading up to today that someone here needed to hear that grace is not linear. You know, when you see, oh, it's by grace I've been saved, but, but then I became a Christian and then I messed up. No, he paid for the sins, past, present, future. He paid for everything you're ever gonna do wrong. Jesus' blood was enough for that. Isn't that good? No condemnation. You and I were not designed to experience insecurity. So we have been redeemed from the fear of not being good enough. Isn't that so freeing? Let's take a look at Romans 8:15. This is from the Passion. It really brings it out well. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. Okay, so that's Result of the fall, not feeling good enough, feeling like we don't measure up. This is what we have received. This is what redemption paid for. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance. That's what we have. Those are God's ways. Enfolding you into the family of God and you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us in our spirits, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection. Beloved father the spirit of full acceptance that's what we were made to have that's what jesus purchased back for us so when we're talking about developing a lifestyle of encountering him we can't encounter him if we're constantly wrapped up and no god i'm not good enough we have got to get over ourselves christians no more insecurity so i want to wrap this up We've been talking about applying redemption to our lives and lining up with God's ways. Man, the way I am such a, a, like just a black and white thinker, and I know that's been 
a blessing for me because when I see it in the word, that's what I'm going to go with. But you can't just read it once or hear it in a message once and, and that's the way you're going to go because your flesh is going to, it's going to fight against you, right? What's true of you when you got born again, what's true when you read in here, what's true of you is true in your spirit. We've got to renew our minds to actually line up with what's true. We've got to actually get it into our hearts. So I just want to wrap up with um, this, these couple points on God's word must. It must be the foundation to our living. It cannot be an addition God's word cannot just be something that you're like, oh, I'm going to find out um, how to be good, so I'll add a few of these things over here, or this area is not working. This is, let me, let me explain this one. This is a common thing we see as pastors. This area is not working, so what do Christians do? Add a Bible verse here, add a Bible verse here, add a Bible verse here. It's still not working. Why? Because we haven't actually lined up with his way of doing things. You can't just do things your way and then add a Bible verse on. It does not work. So let's take a look at Matthew 7, verse 24 and 25, actually. We'll look at them both. In, this is in the message paraphrase. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life or homeowner improvements to your standard of living. Isn't that good? God's words are not just incidental additions to our life. We don't be our own Lord and then just add a Bible verse on because then we will be frustrated. We'll basically be living in the results of the fall. Instead, the word of God is to be foundational, something to build a life on. If you've been a Christian for X many of years and you're not experiencing or encountering him in a certain area, it's never too late to get a new foundation in that area. In fact, we as Christians should always be moving forward with God. And that's where he's like, oh, you know what? This foundation over here actually never really got built. Or there's some cracks in this foundation over here. And the love of God. We dwelt in the love of God last week, Sunday, so strongly. He's not pointing out those foundation cracks with judgment. He is pointing out those foundation cracks out of love. Let me help you, he says, build that strong foundation. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who's built his house on a rock. Rain pours down, so all the things of life come. River floods, tornado hits it. That's basically everything that could happen to a house with rain. And nothing moved that house. It was fixed. Fixed. I want to build a foundation on who he says I am. I want to build a foundation on who he says he is. We got to let God speak for himself. We've got to let God reveal himself to us. And so as we do that, and I'm going to close here in a moment. As we do that, we, we have got to decide that this word is going to be something that I am going to build my life on. I'm not just going to add God's ways on top of my own. His heart for us is so strong, church, to come and to encounter him. His heart for us is so strong to line up with his ways. And again, we saw in the garden, we saw that he didn't just say, oh, you can have all this fruit, but you can't have this one because he's a mean God. We saw that he's, he doesn't say, oh, there's boundaries of how to treat your spouse or there's boundaries of how to treat your children because he's mean and he wants to have rules. No, these boundaries are for us to experience his goodness. And so I know today that this is a group of people who want to encounter him. And so my heart is that we as a church would say, okay, God, I'm going to make this a lifestyle by lining up with your ways I'm going to actually work your word into my life. And when we talk about getting this word in, again, it's not a one-time thing. It's coming to the word over and over. When I want to choose to be angry with my kids, when I want to choose to react, I'm over and over retraining myself. No, I'm going to go God's way and let the love of God flow through me. I know that I'm in the right company today. Is that right? So I'm going to ask you to stand with me.
as we just finished today, I just want you to know that this process is supernatural. The process of exchanging his ways or your ways, sorry, for his ways is supernatural. We are not the ones who have to make the word work. Isaiah 55 verse 10 and 11 says, The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. And here it is. It is the same with my word, he says. I sent it out and it will produce fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to and it will prosper Everywhere I sent it, God's word will work in your life. If you choose God's ways, if you choose his word, it will work in your life. All we have to do is get out of the way. All we have to do is let him root out those things that choke the word, those things that get in the way of the word and encounter him. I'm going to close with this. You know, the prodigal son, he chose his own ways. He left his father's design completely and he chose to go his own way and that story hits me every single time I read it you can read it in every problem you ever face to see the father's heart anytime you choose to come back to him in a certain area of your life maybe you've been living by your own ways in one area you can come back to the father and what's he gonna do I can't believe it took so long I can't believe you did this no He is going to look at you with such rejoicing. You came back. You came back to how I made you to be. That's the Father's heart for you this morning. And so if you can just raise your hands to him, I want to pray and dedicate ourselves to him. Father God, we thank you so much. First, that you're a good, good father with good design for life with good design for our identity, for who we're supposed to be. And first and foremost, we're supposed to be your child. So Lord, we come to you right now as a father. We place ourselves at your feet. We say, Lord, we we need help. Lord, we want to choose your ways. Help us. And we dedicate again ourselves to your purposes to a lifestyle of encountering you. We're so thankful for you, Lord. And Father, I pray over this congregation, Lord, that through the week, as they choose to spend time with you, you will reveal yourself. We are, we are trusting you for that. We're believing you to reveal yourself to us, Lord. Draw us close to you. Reveal your heart to us. We believe you, we thank you, and we trust you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.